This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Ben Wilmot and you are listening to Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hello and welcome back to this very special podcast where we are joined by your every step along the way 2022-23 player of the season, Ben Wilmot. Are you excited for this, Mike? I really am, mate. Like I said, people have been voting all season, uh, game by game, and Ben's been at the top of that leaderboard for quite some time. So uh, I'm, in- I'm intrigued to uh, to see what we've got to say and probably learn a bit more about Ben as well. So absolutely. He's had a cracking season and he's he's given up some time to speak to us today. So welcome to the podcast, Ben Wilmot. Uh, how are you, mate? First things first, how, how's the back and how are you feeling at the minute? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Um Getting it's getting there slowly, sort of day by day. Um, but yeah, I'm getting there. Yeah, but is it, it must be obviously is it like tough? I take it to to have this injury. Obviously, it's like so close to the end of the season and that. And has it has it sort of thrown your summer plans into disarray? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna have to go in over the summer a bit um, to continue with the rehab work and stuff. But Fortunately, it wasn't as um, bad as first feared, so I should be back in time for pre-season, which is the main thing. Oh, but I mean, so did did you know then that obviously when, when it did happen, uh, obviously you 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 looked in the you know, incredible amount of pain at the time. Did you know straight away that there was something serious that was gone? Or uh, yeah, I mean, I knew when I tried to stand up when I was on the pitch that something was bad because it was like the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Um, and like, I can't even describe it. It was, it was so bad. Um, but then once I had the scans, I had the original x-ray and they said that it was all fine. Um, but then I went on to have a CT scan as well. And that's where it showed up that there was a little fracture in there. Um, so obviously when you hear the word fracture, you immediately think it's going to be like a hefty length of time, but luckily, cause it was just a small one. Um, the time frame was about six to eight weeks, which um, left me a good amount of time to recover in time for pre-season. So, yeah, it wasn't wasn't as bad as what I might have thought at first. Yeah, cause, I, mean, I suppose it could have been quite uh, even more serious, couldn't it? Then, you know, so, sort of a delicate part of the body, isn't it, as well? Like, say, your back and your spine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, luckily it was like uh, the bit that's fractured is a part that comes... Uh, like a bit of the bone that comes away from the spine whereas obviously if it was something that fractured down my spine then 
yeah, you're talking serious um, repercussions with something like that. So, yeah, in a sense, I guess I was lucky. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's not too bad. The pain's all under control now. So um, at least I can sort of get moving and continue with my rehab. Uh, did, did, did they dose you up with heavy morphine that night? <laughs> and then, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was on plenty of painkillers for a good twenty-four hours at least. Uh, yeah, you had all the squad come visit you as well, didn't they? Uh, I had a, a most of the medical team came, and then I had Jacob Brown came to visit me on the Sunday morning, uh, and that was yeah, that was what I had. So it was nice to see a few friendly faces in there. Oh well, I'm, well, we're glad that you're on the men, mate, and uh, all all set for uh, pre-season. Fingers crossed. Thank you. You just, you just, you just uh, obviously missed out on us handing you that trophy, didn't you? And QPR for your player of the season award, promise. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to come see. We'll have to come see you when you're back training. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, so obviously, looking back at your footballing journey, then. So obviously you were born in Stevenage and you joined Stevenage and came through the club's youth system um, before moving on to Watford. So what or who would you say sort of helped you sort of get into football? Would it be like a family member or do you have any idols growing up? Yeah, yeah, it would definitely be my dad because he um, he used to play and I would go along and watch. And then the older I got, um, he used to be a goalkeeper, so I used to help out with his warm-ups and stuff when I was a bit older and a bit more capable um so yeah I grew up um watching him really and just wanted to to do the same thing so yeah he's definitely where I got the love of football from oh bro so um so so, so you sort of would you support the team that your dad was sort of playing for or Uh, a little bit I mean I grew up as an um Arsenal fan um (laughs) so (laughs) yeah um (laughs) But now, since really since I started playing professional football, haven't really uh, bothered about any other team than the one I've been playing for. So it's um, a little bit weird because I don't really care for for anybody else now. Um, but that's obviously just like the life of a uh, professional, I guess. Once you're in the environment, you want you like your your team to succeed. So all other loyalties are out the window then. Yeah, I suppose you, you hear a lot of it, don't you, from like um, professionals and ex-professionals who say, "Yeah, I'll, I'll look out for this team's results." You know, on a Saturday evening, you know, how have they got on? How have they got on? Teams they used to play for. Is it just pretty much that now? Yeah, literally, just um, yeah, teams I've played for, and then if there's teams who, like, if we're relying on results or want other teams to lose, then I'll look at those. But uh, there isn't like a, I don't support another team apart from the one I'm currently playing for. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, like I say, you, you did start out at Stevenage. So how did it feel then getting your, getting your debut there? Was it did it come as a shock, or did you sort of know in advance that obviously you were going to be making your, your professional debut? Um, it was a bit of a surprise. I was um, told on the Friday, so we had um, Reading in the third round of the FA Cup, and I was told on the Friday that the manager hadn't decided between me and one of the senior lads. And then I didn't find out until we were at the ground um, on match day. So I'd spent sort of Friday night like, hoping to be playing and, and stuff. And then he pulled me into his office literally at like 25 past one or something on uh, the Saturday afternoon. And then he told me then that I'm going to be playing. So 
yeah, but I was buzzing. I was I was ready at that point. I think. Would you do you think do you think you already knew? Do you think he did? He already decided that you were playing. He was like, I'll just not tell him too soon. Avoid that sleepless Friday night. <laughs> yeah, potentially. Um, but he seemed to be like whether he was uh, whether he knew or not. He the way he gave it across to me was as though he was unsure. So he did his yeah. job, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> How did he go? Uh, it was good. We drew nil nil. So for me, obviously clean sheet. Um, and I played pretty well, so uh, yeah, I was happy with my performance that day. And then, but then we lost three 0 in the replay at their place, so it was uh, didn't go to plan in the end. But yeah, the debut itself went really well for me. Yeah, well, you did your job, mate. You got a clean sheet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Obviously, from Stevenage, uh, you then move on to Watford, and also spent time at Udinese. So that's a sort of a well-trodden path in recent times, and it? it was quite a few uh, backwards and forwards. Um, how did how, how did that go though? I mean, you got you in Serie A, such a young, you know, such a young age, um, away from home and everything. I mean, it's sort of a sink or swim scenario. Could that could be, couldn't it? Yeah, literally. Um, that was the first time I'd moved away from home. So um, obviously, being in a different country and stuff, uh, it was tough because the area um, Udine is in sort of the north east of Italy, and they're very. Um, they don't speak much English in that part. So it was tough to just sort of go to the shop and buy food and stuff or go to restaurants and stuff. Um, so, yeah, it was tough, but it definitely brought me out as a person, um, which is why it was sort of one of the best things I've ever done. Because um, in terms of football, I didn't play as much as I wanted to. So in that sense, it didn't really go to plan. But um, the way sort of the person I went there as and then came back as was two different people yeah so you think you developed like say as a person you might not have been on the pitch playing but you and yourself and like maturity and that you sort of came along obviously were you there for six months was it yeah just short six months so um but yeah yeah I, I grew so much as a person um and had to or else like you said it was it was a sink or swim sort of five months or so um but yeah i really enjoyed it and um it was definitely one of the best experiences i've had but so i'd say that sort of ties in line then because obviously when you returned from Udinese, you sort of went on down to swansea then and your career on the pitch sort of started to gain a bit of momentum then and you sort of played quite a few games for swansea came back to watford played for quite a few games for them won promotion to the premier league i mean would you say that Swansea League, I was going to say like the loan, obviously you said Udinese, would, did you learn a lot at Swansea as well then? Yeah, I think that's the first time I had like a consistent run in a men's team before because I only had about 10 games at Stevenage um, before I left. So to get um, a good run of games at Swansea was what I needed at that at that time. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it down there. Um, the team was really good. Uh, manager and his staff were all really good with me and um, obviously this, their style of play uh, suited me um, sort of playing out from the back and stuff so yeah it was um, it was a really good positive loan for me So I mean how did, how did the move to Stoke come about then? So I mean because obviously you've just been promoted I mean to the Premier League with Watford it's in that summer I mean was it was it a tough decision to leave sort of a newly promoted club there did you did you think I want to stick around and maybe you know try and get some sort of games in the Premier League or was it 
had, had you been, you know, were you, was it an easier decision to make to get more regular maybe first team football? Um, it wasn't really my decision, to be honest. Um, they said to me that they, that I wasn't really needed anymore um, and that they didn't really, they didn't really want me there anymore. So the decision to leave was taken out of my hands um, and sort of forced upon me really. Uh, and then once we found that out, then it was a case of speaking to um, any clubs that sort of sued me and Stoke were by far the most keen to get me on board. Um, I had people come and visit me and show me presentations and stuff. And um, the project that was sold to me was one that I backed like straight off the bat. So um, yeah, it was an easy decision to to come here, really. But so I mean, Michael O'Neill was the manager at the time. So was he sort of heavily involved in that process then? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I spoke to him on a number of occasions and a few others of his uh, sort of his members of staff and um yeah it was just, i got a really good vibe from all of them and like i said the projects that they were talking about um really suited me in the way that they wanted to play and everything so yeah it was a, it was a no-brainer for me in the end and ben you mentioned about they, they showed you presentations and stuff just out of interest when when a club is trying to sign you um what what does that actually consist of? Is that we're going to play this formation? This is where I see you slotting in. Is it is it that type of a thing? Yeah, um, as well as off the pitch stuff. So they showed me sort of pictures of the training ground and facilities that they've got. Because um, at the time I hadn't been to the training ground yet, so they showed me sort of pictures and videos and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, just sort of the identity that they wanted to create on the pitch and. Um, and how they see things going throughout the season and and things like that. So yeah, it's very um, very useful in terms of trying to make your decision to where you want to end up playing. You know, I suppose you, you suppose you're quite lucky, Ben, as well, because I mean, talking about 15 years ago, there's many a Stoke player who signed for us, um, believing that we had a, a great train, training ground, and then when they got there, it was just a field at the time. <laughs> Reported <laughs> having changing rooms, <laughs> so at least at least what you get shown is actually what's there these days. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Tony Pulis was the master at that, <laughs> so we've been <laughs> in many stories since. Um, obviously, you've had two seasons at Stoke now. So obviously, the first one was under Michael O'Neill, and then the second one almost entirely has been under Alex Neil. When was that change in manager? Um, was was it was there a big shift in sort of the way things were done? Um, yes and no. I mean, they keep the same sort of structure in terms of day to day timings of things, you know, meetings, training sessions, things like that. Um, so your sort of daily structure remains the same, but then obviously they implement their own style on the training session itself and. Um, the meetings themselves and other things like that. So yeah, in ter- like some things do remain the same, but they always come with different ideas and different ways of doing um, things out on the grass. And obviously you see that from the moment they walk through the building. 
what about your role yourself? Obviously, what from what um, Michael O'Neill's sort of expected from you and asked of you, to what Alex Neal has sort of done and what you what he wants from you on the pitch. Has there been a big shift or difference there? Uh, not particularly for me. Um, obviously, both want to play out from the back and sort of get the ball on the floor, which is the way I want to play. Um, I'd say the manager now is a bit more aggressive in the way he wants to press. So it allows me to be on the front foot a bit more and uh, sort of nip in front of forwards and stuff like this because he wants us to play very aggressive. Um, But apart from that, it was very similar. I think under Michael O'Neill, we stuck with that three at the back and I was obviously on either the right-hand side or the left-hand side a lot, which allowed me to step in and get forward. Whereas now under the manager, now we've gone back to a four uh, which means I sort of have to hold my position a bit more. Um, but I don't mind doing either of those. I'm comfortable doing both. So, yeah, not a lot has, has changed really for me, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I heard Alex Neal say uh, last week that he can't he can't play four at the back without you. That you know, sw- sw- swagger around the training ground, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to change the formation because of me. He <laughs> um, said, yeah, because I think he's obviously... He was saying he had to go back to five at the back end because and the reason was that you weren't there. So, uh, feather in your cap there, mate. Um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you've. I mean, you've played primarily as centre back, haven't you? But you like, like you've just said there, right, right side, left side of a three, uh, right back, right wing back, left back. I think you even played midfield for Udinese, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sign of a good player, by the way. That. People manage to feel they can move you around and slot you into different. Then you'll do a job in a lot of positions. I take each centre back is your favoured one though. Yeah, and I think this year, one of the reasons this year has been so positive for me is that I've had that long, consistent run of playing in as a centre half in a four, which is like left or right in a four is like very similar. So I don't mind either one of those. But the fact that I've had such a long run of games. Um, consistently in that position has brought me on so much. I think that's what I've been needing for the last sort of few seasons, really. Um, I mean, I'm happy to play anywhere and do whatever the manager asks. But yeah, like you said, I would always choose to play centre-half. So it's not, it'd been nice to, to have that consistent run this season. Would it be centre-back in a four as well would be preferred, you'd say? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I'm happy to play a three and I do enjoy uh, sort of there are pros to playing a three, like I said earlier, getting forward, which I like to do. Um, but I think I am, I'm more comfortable in the four and it's, uh, I think it suits us as a team uh, to play in a four a bit more as well. What would you say are the, the differences in the role then? So say you're asked to play on the right of a three as opposed to the right side of a two. What What would you be asked differently to do? Um, step into the game I think with the ball because you've got that extra man behind the ball so somebody needs to to sort of take the ball forward and join in with the play um, whereas when you're a four at the back the two centre halves can stay because you've got one extra man ahead of the ball um, and then I'd say out of possession as a right side of a three you get found sort of wider and have to do a lot more 1v1 defending because you can if the fullback's high you can end up becoming a fullback yourself um, whereas when you're in a four at the back because the uh, the fullback doesn't bomb on as much you don't really find yourself out 
one v one, so it's uh, a bit more comfortable being in a four, really. Does it also affect you a lot who's maybe playing to the right of you in that position as well? So, say if it is somebody, um, somebody who's more likely to sort of like say encourage themselves to bomb forward and get on more, rather as opposed to a, a maybe a fullback or wingback who doesn't particularly, who's more defensively solid, shall we say, rather than attacking. Uh, yeah, I guess a little bit. Yeah, just because, like I said, they wouldn't. I'm, I might not be having to defend one v one as much if they're going to be staying at home a lot more. But if they are a very attacking fullback, then chances are I could end up almost being a fullback myself a lot of the time. You know. Ah, uh, so you, so, yeah. So it's got pros and cons. And I suppose in a five, you do get a bit of freedom to sort of roam around a bit and step into midfield, like you say. And um, ping one in the top corner like you did against Preston. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, obviously, there has been a lot of upheaval in the last two years. We've had players coming and going. Um, news from the, the club um, is that, obviously, the financial restrictions are, are easing. That obviously helps massively in this division because I think if you look at the table of you know, money spent, wages, etc., it pretty much evens out as a lot of the time with they're not too dissimilar to where people finish. So do the noises that are coming out of club regarding that, is, is that exciting to the lads in the dressing room that you can, there's maybe potential for us to, to, you know, to bring in a lot of players and invest in the squad this summer? Yeah, definitely. I think it's exciting for all of us to know that the club's in a position to have a go, if you like, next season. And that's, sort of all you can ask for is to be part of an ambitious club um, and I feel like that's going to be the case this window so certainly for me I'm feeling really positive uh, and ambitious for next season and I think um, the owners and people higher up are as well with the like I said the sounds of things that they are going to be putting um, some money into the into the summer window so yes yeah, it's, it's exciting because We'll get a load of new players in uh, and hopefully they can bring real quality and allow us to have a real good go next season. Yeah, so it's, it, it's always as well. Like the, the manager, obviously, he's come in. He's only had the one sort of window to deal with, hasn't he? And, and with the, the the obvious, you know, the uh, financial restrictions that were been in place and balance in the books. Um, come the summer, obviously, there's a lot of those lone players will all leave, at least temporarily, all of them will go. Um, some of them may come back we don't know that obviously yet and then there's quite a few players out of contract so there's going to be quite a small group of you isn't there come pre-season who've actually you know, sort of been here before kind of thing and there's going to be quite a few new faces for you knocking around the place regardless of, of what happens <laughs> yeah yeah there will be it will be a big turnaround um, but I think it will be good for for everyone to come in and be like a fresh start Um because I feel like the two seasons I've been here now, we've underperformed um, for the quality of the squad that we've had for both of those seasons. Um, so I think it's it'll be good for everybody to have that fresh start um, and have a real good go at finishing it, at least in the playoffs next season. 
Yeah, I mean, talking of the dressing room as well, um, if we are honest, there was a period, it wasn't the rosiest of places from reports, uh, but nowadays, like the videos and the stuff we see on, on social media and everything, the groups seem to be really close-knit and do get along very well. Um, who would you say are your best mates within this this sort of Stoke group? Um, I, I spend a lot of time with Brownie, um, we get in at very similar times and do a lot of um, stuff around the training ground together. Um, and then obviously there's a good group of younger lads, um, Tyrese, Jordan, uh, Josh Tymon, um, people like this who we've got a good group and do a lot of stuff outside of football together as well. Um, so it's nice to have that group all in a similar age. Um and it's the same throughout the whole group. Everybody gets along. Um, those videos or whatever that you guys have seen definitely aren't um, fake at all. Like the uh, um, camaraderie and stuff around the dressing room is really good. Um, I think it's probably the best group I've ever been part of, uh, to be honest, um, with the way that everybody gets along. So it's been really good to be part of a group like this. So hopefully... If we do have a big turnaround in the summer, the lads who come in can fit in nicely and we can have the same sort of feeling around the dressing room next year. Yeah, because I think, would you say sort of sort of from your past experiences that you need a good dressing room to be successful? It doesn't matter how good and how skillful the players inside it are. If there's no sort of unity between them, it makes it a lot more difficult to actually be a success as a group. Yeah, definitely. And if there's uh, constant friction and arguments between players and stuff, then it's it's never going to end well um, when you get onto the pitch. So, uh, yeah, I think it is important to have a good group and bring in the right characters for the group that you've got. Is, is there like a competition amongst the defenders or centre-backs? Or do you sort of, will you sort of stick a bit together as well? So are you in Jags like... Do you just sort of bounce off each other in that kind of way, or do you, or is there a bit of, say, a bit of competition, especially if you may be going for one place at, at a time? Um, I'd say at times there has been sort of healthy competition, but I feel like we've been unfortunate with the injuries we've had, where a lot of the time the manager hasn't really had a choice as to who he's been able to play at centre back. Um, we've obviously Axel being out a lot. Um, Jags has had his injuries over the season myself now and stuff like this. So um, we've not often had um, every centre-half fit. But when we have for those short periods and stuff, yeah, there's definitely healthy healthy competition. But no, me and Jags get on really well, especially. And yeah, we do bounce off each other and I love playing with him. Um, and it's been, yeah, it's been good for me to learn off of him, but it's been a laugh at the same time with him because he's a good character. I suppose it must have, like, say, tons and tons of experience there. And there was it nearly 23, 24 year professional career. It's mm-hmm. crazy into 800 odd games. And I suppose you must get you must get one up on him though, because he must have to miss a day's training, go collect his pension every week. So yeah. you're all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you you can uh, you get one up on him then uh, when he's not around. Uh, I mean, you me- you mentioned Axel as well. There, I, I mean. Obviously, we haven't seen too much of him in a Stoke shirt, but when we have, he looks 
a very, very good defender. And obviously, you know, he's got a good pedigree in his past. And, you know, he's played Champions League football for Manchester United and, and not looked out of place. Um, has it been frustrating for you when you were playing there that obviously he kept getting injured and stuff? I mean, because sort of, you two seem to have a, seem to sort of click instantly as a as a pair together. Yeah, I think it was it was exciting for me when he came in. Um, obviously, like you just said, with his pedigree and um, CV and stuff. And then I think that Brighton game, especially, I thought we both did really well and worked really well together. Um, and I really enjoyed playing with him. So I was looking forward to to more games like that. But unfortunately. For him, obviously, the injury and stuff um, has kept him out for the rest of this season, which has been a shame. But, yeah, I mean, I'd like to to play with him again at some point. I did enjoy it, but um, I've really enjoyed playing with Jags um, for the majority of this season. So uh, once Axel uh, was unavailable, I didn't have any problems with um, playing alongside Jags. I suppose as as well for yourself, like if you're playing with with Jags, is he sort of the natural leader? Can you do you allow yourself to sort of let him lead that line if you're if you're with him just be, due to his experience, as opposed to maybe if you're in a say you're a, a two with Morgan Fox, who's who's sort of been playing, he's sort of out of position for Morgan to play in the centre. Would you then feel the need? Oh, I need to step up and. Be more. I need to be the leader in this game. Um, not really. I feel like Jags is um, a natural leader, and he is the sort of the loudest man on the pitch um, when he plays. Uh, and I can certainly learn off of that. And but he obviously requires information off of me, so it um, makes me be more vocal. Anyway. Um, but then I just obviously take that and then it, with whoever I'm playing and, and try and do the same thing. So I wouldn't, I don't consciously uh, consciously try harder to be any more vocal than I would be if I was playing with Jags because I have to be vocal with playing with Jags even though he is the loudest man on the pitch. You know, so it's it's the same really. I have to be I have to be loud with whoever I'm playing with. Yeah. So yeah, it's like you say, even though he's sort of leading you, he still requires. The information of you, like say whoever's around him to to work. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Um, obviously, your Stoke. So, so your Stoke highlights so far. I mean, I mentioned the goal against Preston. Um, what would you say in the two years you've been here have been sort of the high points for you? Um, I mean, we've had a few really good games. Um, a few this year that I've really enjoyed. Obviously, Coventry away. Um, I think that first half was one of the best 45 minutes of football I've ever been involved in. Um, everything was just flowing so well and everyone was playing sort of out of their skin. It just felt so good to be a part of. Um, and then uh, obviously whenever I get the chance to score, it's um, it's a great feeling. So like, yeah, like you said, Preston, um, Sheffield at home this year, everyone played really well as well. So that was, that was a really good game. And then, probably Holloway this year as well. Um, obviously scoring 3-0 clean sheet. Um, yeah, perfect away day, really. So, yeah, definitely had a few, which has been good. I suppose the, the other thing as well with, the, with that Preston goal was that the uh, the long flowing locks had to be chopped off. 
Was that, was yeah. that, any, mo- was that any emotional <laughs> getting rid of, the, of, the, of your hair? Not really. I think um, <laughs> I wanted them to come off probably a couple of months before. Um, and I said to my parents, I was like, look, I need, need to get a haircut now because they were just frustrating the life out of me. And then my dad said, why don't you wait until you score and then have like a, a reason to do it? And it took me a lot longer to score than I was hoping. <laughs> um, <laughs> but once once I scored, yeah, I couldn't wait to get it off because, yeah, that, that haircut was well overdue, I think. One I, thing I I'd probably to... say, Ben, um, I, basically my son's quite new to Stoke and I, me and Dan took our our children to, to that game. And the one thing to hopefully gives you any credit of how much it means to, to play is, like I say, my son's, it was only second or third game, and he, we were right behind that goal. Um, yeah. And yeah, he he went he went nuts, and that's what that goal alone has helped to cement his love of Stoke and wanting to go with me next season. So I don't know if sometimes you feel as a player that the the impact that you have, but I just wanted to stress that like my son's that has helped my son get into Stoke City. Those little moments. So it was a special goal, mate. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it was it was the first time that we'd sat together, wasn't it, Mark, at a match? And yes. like say we were literally behind your back. We watched we so we looked through you and just watched the ball in the top corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was in slow motion almost, wasn't it? I mean did you kind of know that, that was in as soon as it left your foot, Ben, or? Um well, as soon as it left my foot, I knew I'd caught it sweet. Um but I didn't really think anything of it. Um and then, yeah, I'd say as, you know, sort of halfway, you can sort of see the line of the ball and where it's heading. And I thought, yeah, that's that's got a chance. Um, but as I've said to everybody, I didn't realise how far out I was until I watched the replay after the game. And, yeah, I had no right to be shooting from there, to be honest. I think <laughs> the stick I would have got if that didn't go in would have been crazy because it was way too far out to be shooting. But... That's yeah, how desperate you were for a haircut. I know, yeah. Do goals in training count? Can I, can I just get me, can I just get the, just get, boot me in? <laughs> um, obviously, uh, that fit that season as well. You started playing alongside sort of Leo Ostergaard, Harry Suter. That was a very young back three at the time. I think you were all. 21 or 22 I believe at, at that time was that easier having people similar in age alongside you and that or, or would you say that is it more is it difficult trying to settle into a new club and without sort of a lot maybe a lack of experience at centre half shall we say at that time um no nah, not really I mean it, it doesn't really bother me how old the person I'm playing with is all the people I'm playing with are, um, as long as I get sort of the information I need um, during the game from them, um, then for me, it, it, yeah, it didn't matter how old they are. Um, and yeah, us three got on really well and we seem to work well together as a trio. Um, but yeah, I think we, we spoke to each other well on the pitch and it didn't really matter that, like you said, we were all sort of 21, 22 not loads of games under our belt, but it, it didn't really matter. I don't think that really showed in the games either that we were um, lacking any sort of experience. Um, but yeah, as long as we give each other the right information and stuff, it doesn't really matter how old we are. Yeah, I mean, 
obviously of the other two there, I mean, you, you've already dipped your toe into the Premier League briefly with Watford, um, had a, a spell with Udinese in Serie A. Obviously, Leo Ostergaard's now at Napoli, Harry Suter's now at Leicester. Is it, I take it it's a ambition of yours to get back to sort of top flight football? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's everybody, if you ask anybody at the club, that's the the aim is for us all to be in the Premier League. And I'm certainly no different. Um, and yeah, I think uh, hopefully if all goes to plan, then we'll be there together at the end of next season. So we'll have to see. I mean, looking, I mean, obviously you're still, you're only 23, you've got a long sort of career ahead of you. Talking career aims, I mean, would you, you have played in Italy, would is it, would you like to go back and play more in Serie A? Obviously you say you enjoyed your time there, or maybe different leagues in Europe, would you like to test yourself as your career develops? Yeah, I certainly wouldn't rule anything out. Um, I think you have to be open-minded in, in this industry. Um because it's so short. Um, so, yeah, like you said, I did enjoy it out in Italy and would certainly go back um, if the opportunity came about and it was sort of the right project and the right timings and whatnot. Um, and that goes with any of the other top five European leagues, really. Um, I would, yeah, if it was if it was the right time and everything, then, then why not? But uh, I think for now, the uh, the aim is the Premier League, I think. Oh, brilliant. Well, I'm sure you'll get here with us. <laughs> um, so. so internationally as well, I mean, you played for England right the way through up to under-21s, um, but the internet tells me you're also eligible to play for Ireland. Is this correct? It is correct, yeah. Would, so if you got a call from Ireland now, is England or nothing? Because some people obviously would say, well, no, I feel English, I need to play for England or nobody. But if, if you got a call from Ireland, is that something you would consider? Yeah, I think um, international football was always a dream of mine and still is. Um, I think the dream is to play for England, obviously being English. But if uh, if I ever got the call from Ireland, then I'd certainly be interested. And, and why not? I think it's I'd be able to play on the international stage against some of the best players in the world. So it would like be a a silly decision to not consider that I think. See, well there you go. We've we will do our best to, to get you some international recognition. <laughs> <laughs> um moving back in towards Stoke, you know, Alex Neal's been here since August. Can you see a clear play? I mean he talks about not having certain players, certain attributes within the squad to play how he wants to exactly. Can you see the clear plan that he wants for the side and this club going forward? Yeah, and I think um, you could see that with the the little run we had in end of in March, February or March. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you could see there when we had all the players we needed fit uh, and firing, how good we can be. So, yeah, I think it's um, just a case of bringing retaining the players that he, he wants and feels like he needs to and then bringing in the the right calibre of player over the summer. But I think he's definitely got a clear vision in how he sees us playing. And then lastly from me, what would you say? So we've said we've got a big summer ahead, a lot of recruitment. 
if you're going to play as an agent there, what? How are you going to sell Stoke to the to players who are wondering, like yourself was when you when you were leaving Watford, if this was the right place to come to, how would you sell Stoke City? Uh, I think they just need to show uh, the clips of us in those sort of four or five games in that period that we did really well because that's where we need to be 46 games next season um, and playing like that is um, certainly for me a really attractive style of football and I think a lot of players would be interested in being part of a project that wants their team to play like that so I think those those games really speak for themselves. And Ben, I mean, what 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 do you think actually sets Stoke apart? Because, like I say, you, you've you've probably speak to a lot of players from other clubs, and um, you know, again, you've been at Udinese and Swansea and bits like that. Is there anything that particularly sets Stoke apart from an, an attraction perspective? Would you say the club speaks for itself? Really, it's obviously a massive club that should be in the Premier League. Um, owners who are fans of the club, which is pretty rare these days. Um, so they really want the best for the club. Um, and obviously, like you'll know, that is a fact. Um, yeah. And they're, they're willing to put money in. Um, like I said earlier, they're ambitious owners and you can't ask for much more than, than that as a player. Um, like you said, training ground is class. Um, stadium's lovely. And so everything off the pitch is set for... Um, set for sort of the group and the manager to have a really successful season. Yeah, no, for sure. And the, the reason I asked that, we spoke to Tyrese um, previously and he he kind of got the nickname of Agent Ty because he kept being linked with players being signed and he was having a word with them and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's fine. And I mean, you've obviously lived down south and you, as, uh, as we discussed, you lived elsewhere. Is it quite easy to kind of settle into the Midlands? I mean, again, as a player, I suppose you have to just go with the flow uh, about where you're going to be based, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I think for me personally, like I said, moving away from home for the first time was in Italy. So moving anywhere in England is significantly easier than doing that. So it's it's easy for me to move anywhere now. Um, but the... Uh, I had my when I moved here, my brother was living in Manchester, so he wasn't far. My parents would come up, see the both of us, so I'd see them them uh, regularly. So I didn't really, I didn't miss home. I just missed the people from home, and because I was seeing them so often, I didn't have the chance to miss home. You know, so there was, yeah, I got no problems with with moving away. Perfect. Lovely. And we don't want to keep it too much longer, Ben. So thanks for, for being really open. Um, I mean, we like to have some fun, if I'm honest with you, towards the kind of end of the, uh, of the kind of part. Now, like I said, we did this with Tyrese um, and I'll put my Gary Neville hat back on uh, again. Now you've probably seen Gary's uh, done some brilliant videos with 50 quick fire questions. Now I'm not going to ask you 50 because you've got better things to do than speak to us for the next hour. So um, I guess in terms of a quick fire round, um, are you okay for doing that? And when I say quick fire, please feel free to elaborate on any answers. I don't, I don't mind. <laughs> okay. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, perfect. Right, no problem. So it was around 20 to 25-ish. So um, earliest football memory? Um, going to watch my dad. There's a photo of me and my brother being mascots. My dad, When my dad used to play for St. Albans and... It was freezing and me and my brother just looked like we are absolutely frozen, but we're both tiny and in little kits. So, yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Um, Favourite game played in? Now, this can be for any club. Um, I will have to go with Coventry away this season. Just like I said earlier, that first half of football was probably the best I've ever played in. Perfect. Uh, pre-match ritual or superstition? Um... I got a few. I put um, left shin pad on first, left sock on first, left uh, boot on first. And then I've got a little bag of coins that um, I've got, I've never got six. I got five off my mum and I got one off of my girlfriend. And I lay them out in my seat in the dressing room uh, before we go out in every game. They're the only ones. I got. Oh, wow. <laughs> That, 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 that's amazing. I've never heard anything uh, along those lines before. So that that's really interesting. Where, just where, where did that kind of come from? Is that is that something that's just built up over time, or was there a, was there a, a moment in your career that that's just developed from that moment? Um, no, yeah, it did. It sort of built up. I mean, it started with um, when I was younger. Um, well, I must have been, I don't know, sixteen, seventeen, maybe. My mum. I bought a new wallet and my mum gave me, um, it was when the new pound coins came out and oh, obviously yeah. you meant to put a new coin in the new wallet or whatever. So my mum gave me a new pound coin. So that's one of the coins cause I just kept hold of that. And then she got me these, um, she got me four more that were to do with, uh, they were meant to be like lucky coins. So they're to do with sort of like travel and, um, things like this about okay. being protected and whatnot. And then, um, so I got those a few years ago and then obviously I showed my missus when we got together a few years back and then she got me one that's got sort of our names or our initials on and like a football and stuff. And so, yeah, so I've been sort of collecting them over time, I guess, uh, by accident, but now I've got six that get laid out without fail before every game. (laughs) That's brilliant. I love that. Um, Go to cheat meal. Uh, Indian. Oh, nice. Uh, favorite TV show? Um, I'm not actually massive on TV. Uh, okay. I would say, to be fair, me and the missus love Married at First Sight. <laughs> really? I've never seen it. I've never seen it. that. <laughs> I'll give it. I'll give it a go for your recommendation. No problem. Um, on the flip side, favorite film? Um, the Notebook. 
Oh yeah, yeah, good film. Uh, quite a very sad ending, to be honest. But um, mm. good luck trying to keep a dry eye on that one. Um, I was we kind of might have half answered this. Do you miss your long hair? I think the answer is no. I think no, <laughs> no. It was fun while it lasted, but no. Perfect. Uh, favorite holiday destination? Um, I like. I really like going to new places and sort of exploring different cultures and stuff. But I am frequently in. Dubai as well as Turkey because my family and we've got a group of family friends who love Turkey and we go there pretty much every summer so I'm there a lot. <laughs> wow nice okay no perfect I think, I think Ty said uh, uh, Dubai as well from Abrali. Um seems to be a, a very popular place. Um, this is kind of not a quick fire but are you, are you a bit of a singer Ben or? No well no, not in public anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your go-to karaoke song if it was just you and a microphone? Um, well, if it was just me, I'd do anything. But for for like um, initiation songs and stuff, I've tended to do Oasis. Um, so coming here, for example, I did um, Don't Look Back in Anger. Um, but at Watford, I did like another Oasis song and stuff like that. So, yeah, tend to sway towards that. Perfect. Um, best player that you've ever played with? Um, probably Delafeu at Watford. Nice. Uh, toughest striker that you've faced? Um... Don't know if he counts as a striker, but I had to play against Son um, when we played Spurs for Watford in the Carabao Cup, and that was horrible just because he's so quick and left foot, right foot, and yeah, not too fun. Yeah, real quality player. I think Harry Kane brings the best out of him, uh, certainly. Yeah. Um, I think you, get, you may have answered this one. In fact, you think you have. Your best performance for Stoke will be the Coventry one, I assume. Or is it a different one? Um is it me personally? Yeah, you personally, your best performance. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know, I think I did okay that day. I think other people did better than I did. Um, <laughs> I really don't know. I, I enjoyed the Brighton game because it was a different test because of obviously the way they played and the quality they had. And I thought I did pretty well in that game. So maybe, yeah, maybe that one. We were really unlucky. I think that was that that pressing performance was next level. That was absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, so the best atmosphere that you played in? Um, I would have to say we uh, that Spurs game for Watford was in the Carabao Cup, but we played it at MK Dons, and it was sold out. It was like thirty thousand, but um, yeah, the noise was incredible, and it was a really good game as well. So it was. Yeah, great atmosphere. Well, hopefully that'll return here next season with a bit of luck. Um, that's obviously that's what we're hoping for. Uh, no, I th again, I think we know this one. Your favourite Stoke goal? I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah, Preston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, favourite away ground? Um, that is a good one. Um. I quite like I quite like Cardiff, just the way it is and change rooms are nice and stuff, but it's never really like the atmosphere is never really that good. Um 
<laughs> I think I really enjoyed Sunderland. Um, and obviously the performance matched it. So, yeah, maybe Sunderland. I was thinking then as an ex-Swansea player, he was naming Cardiff and then he rescued it by saying, oh, the atmosphere's crap, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, yeah, so just a handful more. So, oh, this is an interesting one. You can have one striker at Stoke in their prime. Who would you choose? Messi, Haaland, or Ronaldo? Uh, I, I'm Ronaldo because I'm a huge Ronaldo fanboy. So, <laughs> where's Ronaldo? Perfect. And wh- who's got the worst dress sense? Now, so just Tyrese gave Blondie as the worst dress sense, if I remember rightly. <laughs> Okay, well, that's not too good for me because we turned up in the same trackie the other day, me and Blondie, so <laughs> that says something that. So, uh, um, I don't know. I think, I wouldn't say anybody's particularly bad. I think the only one you could probably question is Dujon's choice of footwear because he will come in in literally slippers sometimes. So I think that, that has to be questioned. <laughs> I take it you're giving some stick for that, I assume. Yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, a lot of the lads, well, it doesn't go unseen anyway. <laughs> Is there a fine system in place? Um, not for footwear like that, but maybe there should be. <laughs> yeah, we put that in the recommendations box. <laughs> See if we got one, <laughs> get one of them in. Things for next season, no slippers. <laughs> um, first and last player to turn up for training. Um, first, to be fair, there's a group who get in at like a pretty similar time. I reckon Frankie Fielding is probably the first in, and then I'd say last. Where did you say last in or last out? Uh, last out, yeah. Last, or last out. Or, or last player, yeah. Or last player to turn up for training if you want. I'll let you choose. Uh, <laughs> I won't wrap them out. So the last one. Is, uh, <laughs> Leave training is probably Bakes 99% of the time. Oh, perfect. Okay, well, interestingly, Ty said Bakes controls the pre-match music, if I remember rightly. So is that still the case, or has someone else taken over now? Um, I think it's actually Ty. I think it's there's the huh? playlist that everybody's picked, like a few songs, um, and it's on Ty. Ty's got it on his phone. I think Brownie's got it on their, uh, his phone as well, and I think they do like rock, paper, scissors before a game so who has to put it on so that they don't have to like sacrifice their phone. <laughs> right. Um, final two, um, if you had one final three-course meal, what would that consist of? Start, main and dessert. Um, I actually had this discussion the other day. Um, <laughs> I would have probably chicken liver pate to start and then I would have a roast dinner um probably like three different meats like pork chicken and beef or something like that and then i would have probably some sort of cheesecake like um nice. i like uh like a mandarin cheesecake or something like that okay nice okay yeah i think cheesecakes are a favorite um and a, a big a big question that again um i'm interested what you think about this so are you a fifa or a pro evo guy definitely fifa <laughs> yeah absolutely correct answer um, so do you do you actually agree with your fifa card because i looked at this the other day i was doing some prep i thought it was quite harsh so just as a bit of a, a reminder 
Pace is 55, shooting's 37, passing's 53, dribbling is 60, defending is 71, so not bad, and then physical is 70. You've got an overall of 69 uh, last time I looked. I mean, that sounds a bit harsh to me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think some of the individual stats are a bit harsh, like uh, the pace and stuff. I don't really know how my pace can be that low, but my dribbling be higher than my pace. <laughs> I mean, um, passing a 53 is harsh, Ben. Yeah, that's a bit harsh as well. And uh, shooting of 37, you prove that one. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think maybe next year that they would, they would rank that up a little bit, but oh well, maybe I shouldn't be shooting at centre-off. <laughs> <laughs> no, do some more, please. Um, and then I say Ty- Tyrese actually thinks he's a bit of a baller at FIFA. I mean, do, do you play Tyrese and do you think you could beat him? Uh, I've not played him, but probably not. If he's backing himself like that, I probably wouldn't beat him. <laughs> I don't think I'm very good. I just play like for the fun of it. <laughs> Fair, well, I think you definitely need, I mean, maybe that's something to do in the, the community trust or something. You, know, you and Ty have a bit of a head-to-head, uh, raise some money, maybe. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's everything, uh, Ben. Thanks thanks again for, for running through those. And, you know, thanks for, for taking your time out. I mean, hopefully you've enjoyed it, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, it's been good. Good, lovely. Um, and like I say, I mean, hopefully, you know, your your recovery goes well. It's, it's good that it's not, obviously, been more serious and certainly as serious as we thought it was. Um when obviously it happened. Um, so are you are you going away on holiday for a, a, well, a few weeks just to rest up? Or have you got to have a few, uh, a bit more closer kind of inspections on the injury before you go? Um, so I had a couple of holidays booked prior to the injury anyway, um, which I'll be able to go on, which is fine, but I'll have to go in sort of in between them. But there's no, no problem with that. So yeah, it should be fine. Good, because I was going to say, after a long season, you need a bit of a rest. So uh, that's fair enough. Um, so, yeah, Ben, thank you very much for sparing some time. Much appreciated. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, Dan agrees that it's been a really good insight into everything, to be quite frank. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much and all the best uh, for next season. No worries. Thank, thank you for having me. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.